Welcome to the Full Potential Podcast. I am your host, Nick Wagner Sr. And every week, I interview guests that share career stories, ideas, and experiences to empower and inspire people to reach their full potential. If you enjoy the episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. Thanks for listening. Almost every Sunday, Dave, I I run into people from all, all different kinds of organizations and careers and backgrounds, and I bring people on this show to have, have them share their career journeys with my audience. And uh, as an HR professional, I am like really, really proud of all the, the stories that people have shared over the past, you know, almost four years at this point, because I think a lot of people they listen to this podcast are early career professionals and they, they get a real sense of like what could be with their career. Because if you're just graduating from school, you don't know where your career might take you. So I have people like yourself on that have had very unique careers and you didn't, you know, you've, you've gone in a lot of different directions, which is the point of why I have people on to share their stories. So, um, so we do this, we record it live here on LinkedIn and YouTube and Facebook, and then I'll just take the audio and put it on all the major podcast platforms for everyone to listen to, whether you live, listen on Apple, Google, Spotify, et cetera. So, um, you know, it's been the, the thing that I love about this is I get to meet so many different people and hopefully, you know, if just a couple people listen to one of my guests and like, wow, I didn't even know that was a career option and go look into something that might change their career directory. So I appreciate you making time. So, so Dave Cornelius, welcome to the, the podcast tonight. And uh, I'm truly grateful to have you here. No, Nick, thanks for having me on. I love what you're doing. You know, it's it's such a, it's something that no one ever, you know, no one ever sat me down and kind of gave me this kind of discussion when I, when I was younger. And I kind of just, I did okay, but I wandered around a lot. And then finally started making direct choices, right? Making, making purposeful choices. So I think uh, if we can get a few younger folks to hear this or even older folks, but um, that's great. I, I love helping out with, with anything. Yeah, and we're, and we're going to learn all about your journey because you are, well, you, you were an engineer at some of the biggest companies in the world that people think of when they think of engineering. Now you're an entrepreneur. You're running your own education startup, which I think if people looked at your background, they'd be like, how did you end up in an education startup? So we'll find that out. But I want to start with, I always start at the beginning for people, which is like what when you were a little kid, when you were a little Dave, was your dream to be an engineer? Was your, your dream to be an entrepreneur? Like what, what did you want to do when you were, when you grew up, when you were a little kid? So, uh, that's a tough one. Um, I always, so my, I think my mom always knew I'd be doing something with my hands, right? I, I was taking apart all the stuff in the house, trying to put it back together, usually failing miserably right when I was 10. Um, but she knew I wasn't, uh, you know, business school focused, right? So, um, so I ended up going to a liberal arts college with engineering and then figured out later that, uh, that I probably should have been an engineer from the start. Um, but I didn't want to stay extra years. So I just kind of, and we can get into that a little bit, but, um, yeah, there's definitely a few distinct sides to me. Um, all the outdoors sports side is a whole other world. And then you have kind of a technical side and then this, uh, love of teaching and learning and, and kind of this ability to sponge things up and then help others learn that. So there's, there's kind of three different sides there. So, and and I, I want to ask this question because I think it's, it's relevant for the people that listen. So you knew you didn't want to go to business school. You thought, you, you know, your mom thought you should probably work with your hands. Was the expectation you were going to college in your household growing up? Like, was that, was that what Dave was going to do? 
Uh, the expectation was there. I, I'm the age group that everyone was expected to go to college, right? I think the world's waking up, so that's not really for everyone. Um, the you know, it's almost a joke now. I say, you know, if I I would be perfectly happy doing construction all day, um, right? If the if it was you know in the hot attic in the summer, that'd be a little rough. But uh, but beyond that, I'd be perfectly happy. Just hey, you gotta you know dig this hole, frame this thing. And I did those summer jobs as well. So I had experience with it. Um, but the the kind of the stepping stones was college, right? And I think fair enough, that opens a lot of doors. Um, and I I, did, I had the fortune of, I wasn't paying for college. So myself with loans. So there was no really real reason not to. Um, but that's one of the big ones I talk about with students is if you're paying for it, that equation to even back out, that's a rough equation if you're taking out loans. So, you know, find other ways to do it is usually my advice. Yeah, you really, you really got to look at what is, What's your return on investment going to college yeah. if you're if you're going to be paying for it? And I, I totally agree. And I think you're also right that the world has been shifting where I think a lot of students coming out of uh, out of high school now are realizing there's a lot of other opportunities besides a four year college and you can still be wildly successful, which which I think right. I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned that. So so you ended up with 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 a, a with two degrees, a bachelor of science in I think it was right math math and economics mm-hmm. and then you got a master's in engineering uh so a master's in it's called a management of technology so it's a it's a tech it's a management of technical projects so it's kind of like an MBA for engineers um so the way that happened is I graduated in 2008 um got my first job at Sikorsky as an engineer so kind of even without the degree stumbled my way in there uh and then went right back in that next fall in 2009 to do a master's that and their program at that time, they paid 100%. They gave you time off. So it was just unbelievable program. So why not do it? Right. It was so I went to Fairfield U and got um, that kind of and the reason I did it was I didn't have experience. And basically that major, you know, you could do the MBA, but I, I didn't want to go towards, you know, I didn't want to take three accounting classes. I don't want to take one. And then you study things like the Toyota method, uh, uh, product life cycle design, and you you gain experience that would take me 10 years inside the course of the game. So that was the, the goal of it. So I think this is a common question that people ask. You did not have an engineering degree when you got into Sikorsky, but you got into one of probably the most well-known engineering companies, manufacturing companies in the world, right? Sikorsky mm-hmm. makes, they make some really amazing helicopters. So how did you, how did you manage to end up at Sikorsky? Uh, so that was a, you know, everyone says it and it, it's, it's true. Uh, that was a connection of, uh, of a connection, right? So a, uh, a friend of a friend got me an internship, right? So they kind of passed around my resume. Um, and I was taking technical classes. So I took 3d modeling classes. I took all the lower level engineering classes. I just didn't want to stay longer and get, you know, a second degree. Um, so I had some technical background, uh, and then I went to work for a group. I got, I did an internship two different summers. And they ended up hiring me. So it was um, a lot of learning as you go, right? Some of that, that background I didn't have. Um, and if you put me in a super technical role, I probably wouldn't be the right fit for that. But the role I was in was more general problem solving, supporting manufacturing, um, understanding the process and, and helping things go smoothly. So kind of, you know, big picture engineering is what I ended up falling into. And share with my audience, because I think a lot of people that aren't engineers or have never worked at a manufacturing, you know, company, what, wh- how, how does it work? Right? So the, the end goal here is a helicopter, mm-hmm. right? They make multiple 
versions of helicopters that many people probably um, heard of, including uh, I think they make Marine One, which is the president's helicopter. Mm-hmm. How does one person like yourself fit into that broader equation of building a helicopter? Yeah, so it's uh, the you're you're one little thing inside a giant machine, right? And that was one part of Skorsky I never liked. Uh, the corporate world's a little slow for me. You only get to do one thing. Now you get very good at that one thing, and you can change what you do, but you still get one little job. So, you know, there's 400 engineers, a thousand manufacturers, a thousand other people like purchasing and, and supply management all working on making this product. Um, no one person knows how the whole thing works. So it's massively co- really cool product, but you only know how a little bit of it works. Um, so really, really fun to work on in that sense. Like it's cool, but then it's very boring because you do the same job over and over and over. Now, that's good because it comes out right. Um, but I found it a little bit boring for me. So I, I ended up in the eight years I was there, I had three or four different roles. Um, so I, I kind of jumped around and learned it would be maybe in the same group, but I would ask to change my change my role. So instead of doing drawings, I was supporting manufacturing for my group. So I would do things like that to keep myself entertained. No, and I, and I think you, you bring up a great point that I think for a lot of people, they think that they're going to do the same job for the rest of their career. Like I'm going to graduate from school. I'm going to get a job and I'm going to do the same job. And that, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. Cause you just gave a perfect example of how many jobs you had within Sikorsky where you were broadening your knowledge and doing different things. So I, I think, I think it's a great point. Don't be afraid to move around because you're going to keep learning it and growing as yeah. you do that. But I got to ask the question. So like you, you, between Sikorsky and Bauer, which is the other company you worked at, mm-hmm. you had this super successful engineering career for, around 10 years a decade mm-hmm. which you decided to just kind of just stop put on hold and and do something completely different <clears throat> literally completely different so so i want i want to take people through your, your journey here of you started um milestone c before you left sikorsky mm-hmm. what was the dream and how did this whole thing happen? Like, walk us through how this how this became yeah, to be. Yeah, so, so let me back up to, um, like, 2009. So right after I graduate college, I'm working at Sikorsky. Um, there was always this, I had my official job, and then there was this background effort. Um, both my parents had, my dad uh, owned, owned a company, and then my mom had worked at a small company. So I was much more mindset of from that world, where, uh, you know, kind of the smaller company world. Um, and... When I switched to Bauer, one of the reasons I did it is because I was a small company, right? It was like 75 people, so established, but but I'd say small. Um, 20 engineers, they had manufacturers, they had purchasing. So I, one of the reasons I switched is I wanted to work in a small company it, as part of my career and see how that works, see see the ins and outs of it, see how you know the owners are involved with uh, the engineering decisions. And one of the lead sales guys was the other owner. So seeing how that was, was one of the reasons I went to Bauer. Um, so back in 2009, uh, right. I had my job, but then I was always doing something in the background. So early on, my brother and I were making skis and snowboards in our garage. Like, I mean, like trying to make, we built a press, we had, a uh, we had a heated, uh, press that we would, um, you know, I mean, built like out of metal and wood and then epoxying the skis and building, you know, planing down the cores and got really technical with it. Never really ended up doing anything. We kind of moved on. Um, fast forward a couple more years, I look at, um, cured meats. So like prosciutto and those kind of meats, cause I make that with my, with my, uh, family 
I looked at making that a business. Um, and I have like pages and pages and I listened to, this was when uh, podcasts were getting popular and YouTube videos, listening to all that um, and pages and pages written on it and ended up being like, no, that one's not right because the inspections are really crazy and you have to spend a lot of money to, you can make like a farmer's market kind of thing, but then to go to the next step, you need a full-blown factory and you get inspected all the time for ready-to-eat food. Um, then I looked at uh, beer brewing. So that was my next, like, but I was kind of late to that game and I saw how many breweries were popping up. Now, I five years later, I realized there was still an upheaval happening. So <laughs> could have done, could have done that. Um, but I also, one of the things was the thing I read is I do it, I do it, uh, beer brewing it in my, as a hobby, right? I do it at home. When you do it professionally, you're just really just a janitor. You're cleaning all day. Uh, the machines do everything, right? So it's not quite the same thing. Um, so that was always in the background of, hey, what can I do for a business? What can I start up? What can I branch out to do? Um, and then what happened was we, I was kind of bored in my corporate job and we started teaching after school and summer camps. So we started Milestone C and just said, hey, let's teach summer camp. And, you know, we always had, like, we had cool toys like drones and flight simulators. We knew how to do that stuff. So we just started teaching kids. And what happened there is education was hungry for teaching kids through application. Now that sounds fancy, but really that's how everyone learns on their job. Right. right. So we were teaching kids like they were interns. And I say kids, it was middle, middle school and high school. And we were just treating them like interns or new employees, giving them a bunch of stuff, seeing what they did well with, seeing where they didn't, and then helping them. Um, and that really resonated with education. It's what education was hungry for. Um, they call it project-based learning and learning through application. Like they have all these fancy names for it that I didn't know at the time, um, but all the schools got hungry for it. So it went from after school and summer camps, which we still do uh, pre-pandemic that kind of died out uh, in the last year or two. Um, but then it turned into teachers saying, Hey, that's great after school, but I want it during the day. I want to, I want to see those kids doing that during the day. Can you build this curriculum? We didn't know what that was, uh, right? That was a lot more work than we thought. So we pulled in a couple educators to help us do that and make it classroom friendly. It's very different constraints on teachers than after school. After school, you're kind of wild, wild west. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, so we learned how to make it classroom friendly. Our first curriculum was like three courses put together. We didn't, we just overshot, right? And it was meant for an engineer to be teaching it. So we overshot there. Um, so now we've learned to make it classroom friendly uh, our training program is meant for a teacher, not an engineer, right? Uh, so we, we've adapted it and we've learned how to, how to do education properly. Um, now, to answer your question fully, I think the reason I enjoy Milestone C is I always like teaching people. Uh, on the, like I'd be sitting in Skorsky and I would teach the interns all day. And then I'd do my job for like an hour. And I'd be like, oh, I'm behind, right? And I would, and, and it was always, I was always happier when I was teaching them. Now, that also rewards me because once I get them efficient, they do my work, right? If they're my interns. So it's, it's very helpful. And even not just interns, but coworkers, everybody. Absolutely. I love teaching people. So I think now that I'm in education fully, that's all I do is train teachers. We, you know, helping students learn. So, um, so it's kind of a, a natural fit for me. And, and I want to, I want to make sure, cause this is, this is a pivotal point in your career. You started, you started Milestone in January of 2017 and you left Sikorsky March of 2018. So you had an overlap of, you know, a little over a year. Mm -hmm. 
tell me about the actual decision because this is a huge, huge, huge inflection point for you where you quit your successful corporate engineering job to go work for yourself. Yeah, it took some uh, some fun discussions with my wife to say, you know, it's it's okay, you know, we you know we'll we'll be fine. I was also um, so this was 2018, so I had two small children, right? Uh, and I depends on the timing. I'd have to let's see, it was they'd be one and two, somewhere around there. So two small children, and I'm like, yeah, I think Milestone C will be fine. I think I, you know, but at the time, it's a it's a brand new company, like truly a startup. Um, we had revenues, but the forecast was all over the place, right? It could be great. It could be terrible. We didn't have any history to go on. So it was a little bit of uh, on faith, but also I'm of the opinion is uh, if you need to make it successful, you will, right? So if you go both feet in, um, you'll make it successful. Uh, so the timing was right where, you know, it wouldn't blow up the company's finances if I did that. Um, I, you know, I made sure we had a little bit of, bit of a piggy bank in case it got rough in six months. So it was a calculated decision. Um, it was also hurting my brain a little bit to do both. Um, because uh, now Skorsky at the time had a really great program where I could work. Uh, it's almost like part-time, full-time. So you could work less than 40 hours, but keep your benefits. And you just have to set that up with your boss, make sure they sign off on it, right? Everybody knows it. So I reduced my hours there ramp my hours up um, for about six months. I did that, but it's like having two jobs, even though I don't need to be there for that many hours, you still have two things on your mind. So that hurts the brain a little bit. Um, so I, I then was like, all right, I had enough. Let's, let's, uh, let's go full time. And you mentioned you, you and your founder. So who, who is the co-founder that you started this with and why did you choose one co-founder? So the co-founder, he was someone I was working with at the time. Um, and we, we came up with the idea. We taught that first summer camp. Um, since then he's moved on and I have a, a partner, Josh Gilbert. Um, and Josh is the software version of me, right? He's, he's a software guru where I'm, I don't know that world. And that's kind of uh, so I can, let me be fair. I can dabble in it, but I, I don't know it. Right. Um, I can fake it. I can teach it to students, but, they, they go six layers deep. Uh, I don't know the answers where Josh does. So, um, so his skill set was a huge benefit to us. So, um, the, the core of it was now advice to anybody starting a company. It's tough. Um, it's nice to have a partner in crime, uh, it now, but you have to make sure you have the same vision and you're essentially marrying that person, your business, marrying that person. So mm -hmm. it's a tough decision. Um, the advice I can give is I wouldn't do it with a friend because you know them as a friend. It's much easier to do that with a coworker because you know them as a coworker. You've seen them at work. Um, I've also seen people be successful. They do it themselves, but that's a bit of uh, then no one else has the skin in the game that you do. So even if you have somebody that you get input from, they don't see it day to day. So it's, it's tough to be that kind of, you know, lone person on the mountain. No, I think that's I think that's great advice. My business was with three friends. We were twenty when we started it, and we didn't know any better. And it was, I mean, it was it was hard. I mean, I, so I think that's great advice. And I think doing it on your own, like you said, is also difficult because then it's just you. Yeah. So, so share with my audience. So you you, you left your corporate job, you had this conversation, and, and I, I like how you did did both for a little bit to kind of ease your way in and then and then and then eventually go to go to your own thing and you had the conversation with your wife and 
you plan for this. So I, I love how, how purposefully you were in, in the planning. Originally, you were just doing summer camps. What is Milestone C today? Right? Like if you were, if to describe to my audience, what does the company do? Because it's a lot more than just summer camps, like you said. So what are the products and services that your company sells? Yeah, so if you look, so we're in the ed tech world. Now, there's a few different worlds inside that. You know, it's laptops and Wi-Fi uh, kind of stuff. Um, we are a curriculum uh, professional development for teachers and then equipment. So when you say, hey, I want a robotics class in my high school, I want to run two sections of it, period three and five. We supply the curriculum. We supply the, the equipment, the robots in that case, and we supply uh, the teacher training and support. Um, and we do everything from drones to aviation to software to robotics um kind of any of those fun topics um we're working on an artificial intelligence course that's our prototype right now and a green technology course that's our other prototype so when i say prototype we go teach them ourselves that's how we try them out and see what works and then we build them up into full semester long courses and we'll make sure to link to your website in the show description which yeah. is milestonec.com but i guess i guess for a lot of us, I think a lot of people think of educators and they're like, well, Dave, doesn't a district have someone that does curriculum or a curriculum that they use for the students? Why do they need a milestone C? Like why would a, why would a school district need a milestone C? So there's, there's a couple of reasons. So first one is most of this technology is new age tech. So even if somebody was went to school for engineering, 20 years ago and they were an engineer and they went into teaching, they didn't learn this stuff in school. Now they can go back and teach themselves. Um, the hard part there is if that teacher moves on, that school district loses that course, right? They lose that capability. So we're a little more of a permanent solution for a school. Um, now, most teachers are not former engineers, so they need a lot of help there, right? So we, we put scaffolding in to help the teachers not have to be the expert. Right, that the program helps that the, the students learn on their own and the teachers are there to guide that learning. So that's more how we look at it. So um, now when you're building this curriculum, it's tough. It's a lot of work. I, most of the time when I see schools try to build their own curriculum, it's like half done. It's enough for a teacher to teach with. But that teacher building the curriculum is the one teaching it. And then they move on and there's supposed to be a curriculum there. The new teacher walks in and they have half of what they need. Um, so we developed that full solution. It's, you know, Hey, you, you have it all planned out all year. You have your student handouts, your teacher guides, everything's ready for you. And we talk about it as a tool belt. You don't have to teach. It's not a scripted course. You, t you can delete stuff, add stuff, whatever you want to do as the teacher, but we give you that tool belt and you pick which tools you want to use. No, I, I think that's really helpful because I think you bring up some great points and especially I mean, your website talks about shaping future STEM leaders. If all of this is such new technology that maybe it's a new course that the school wants to offer that they currently don't have, it's great that you would, you would offer something like that. Just just in case my audience doesn't know, can you explain what STEM is and why why you think it is so important right now in education? Yeah, STEM is uh, it's an overused buzzword, buzzword at this point. Um, so it's science, technology, engineering, and math. Schools do pretty good with the science and the math, the technology engineering they struggle with. Um, and they know this, uh, you know, a lot of the new age standards are pushing schools to have to do a lot more technology and engineering. Now, a silver lining on the pandemic is schools got a lot better at technology or at least they got a bigger appetite for it. So um, they're still struggling in some ways, they're still behind in some ways, but 
the schools that I would talk to that didn't have email for their students now have email for their students, right? They didn't have the kids on Chromebooks. Now they're on Chromebooks. So there is a silver lining there. It was a rough year for schools, no way around it. Um, but I think it, it pushed them in the right direction and kind of, it was a good catalyst for change. So um, for STEM, it's the, really it's everything around us is becoming robotic, uh, upgraded, right? Your car is, easy example, the car production lines, if you've seen the news stories, they're slowed down because there aren't enough chips. So our cars are robots, our phones are robots. Everything around us is becoming automated or there's an algorithm feeding us YouTube videos. Kids need to learn this technology and really we try to teach them to general problem solve, to think, to use their brains. Somehow school is, doesn't force them to use their brains as much as it should. Um, so we try to really put that forward because we don't know where technology is going. Um, as an example, I learned coding in high school. It was a cool course. Some, one teacher just took it on himself to teach us. I learned Visual Basic. It's a language no one uses anymore. So, but since I had that, I can go look at Python and go, oh, I know what they're doing, right? Um, so it, it's very useful to have learned it at some point. And that's what we try to get through to the kids is, hey, you just have to learn this, you know, and you can go do marketing, you can do, go do something else, but odds are you're gonna run into software again. You can't escape it. So, um, so that's how we, we look at the world. No, I, I think that's helpful. And I think you're 100% right about this, the importance of technology. And I love that I love that schools are willing to reach out to companies like like yours to actually make that happen and not just relying on their own people, because to your point, they might just not have the experience or the or the knowledge to even do it. So I, th I think that's great. So tell I want to hear and I, sh I appreciate you sharing what the company does. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about because I think a lot of my audience wants to know this the differences between working at like a Sikorsky, right? This mm -hmm. amazing, huge manufacturing company to working for yourself. Like share yeah. some of the, share some of the, the differences between those two worlds. Yeah, so let me start with, so Sikorsky, right? It's, it's standard uh, corporate um, structure, right? It's a matrix organization. It's, and everybody can look these terms if they don't know them, but uh, if anyone's seen office space, right? I have eight bosses kind of stuff. Um, it is what it is. Uh, it's a great place to work. I have no issues saying that, right? I, it was not my favorite, right? Just for me personally, not the pace. And then the interest level wasn't there. Um, but it's a great place to work. I have zero issues with it. Um, now switching to Bauer, a small company was very different where Sikorsky, it was, Hey, I have 30, 40 engineers on my project. Bauer, it was myself, a software engineer and electrical engineer. That was it. So you had to figure it out, right? And you didn't have many people to ask, right? There was only, you know, there's three other project engineers running around. So really different kind of uh, world there where it was, you know, go, good luck, right? Oh, that's not working? Good luck. Um, so no, no, you know, 35-year guy that's just hanging out, just ready to answer questions, where Sikorsky has that. Um, and then switching to working for myself in a startup was there's no more departments of anything. Right. It's, oh, your parts didn't come in. OK, call that company. Oh, you're you're, uh, you know, hey, we got to go cash the checks. Hey, we have to go, you know, do the books. Hey, we have to. What do you guys want for lunch today? Let's like we don't have anything here. So it was very much um, that, you know, classic startup world, like working out of my basement kind of stuff. And now we've graduated to I think we're more of a small company at this point. Um, if you had to classify us right, we have processes, we have a few people. Right. So more of a small company, which is still different. So now all that responsibility I had, I have to give away 
and it's like, oh, but I know how to do it, you know. So I have to, I have to let go of those reins a little bit. So um, sometimes that's a little bit of a struggle. No, you bring up some great points. I, I love the 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 experiences that you're sharing because I think a lot of individuals really don't know the like what the two differences are, right? So like I've worked for myself, you've worked for yourself. It's very different from working for a company where every two weeks you get a paycheck. It's very, it's very different, right? Because you know, you, you're looking at the revenue, you're doing the finances, you're paying yourself, right? So you're paying the employees. It's a different experience and I appreciate you being honest about how, you know, how the challenges and how, how, how hard it has been, because I think that's really important. I want to I want to ask one more question about the, the company and then uh, I want to close the same question I ask every guest. So you've been in the business, been in business now for a few years. Where do you see milestones see, see going? So you've obviously made great progress. Um, technology is not going away. If anything, it's only going to become a bigger part of our lives. Where where do you see the organization going next? Yeah, so we have two big projects. Uh, first one is just scale our curriculum, right? So so scale it, bring it into more schools. We're working with, we have a strategic partner, STEMI, that we work with. They're out of Croatia, and they're one of the ones that, help us uh, curate some of this technology, right? They're very technically capable folks and we rely on them to help us do some of that background work. Um, so really growing Milestone C to be a well-established company that is helping schools keep pace. Um, we are we rapidly change our, our so that news story I said about uh, cars slowing down, we're gonna put that into our robotics curriculum, right? This year, because it's relevant. So we make those rapid changes. So um, so that's how we want to be kind of that new age education that doesn't take a year and a half to produce a textbook. Um, so that's our, one of our big goals. Uh, the other one is it's a little bit of a pie in the sky at this point, but we want to connect education and industry in a stronger way. So we are somewhat. So when industry talks education and education talks industry, they speak totally different languages. They don't understand each other. So. I sit in that middle, right? Myself and Milestone C, and we, I was in industry. I, I know how they speak and how they think. And I now I, I talk to educators. So our goal is, let's say you take, you're in Detroit, you take a car company out there and you say, hey, I want you to fund all these high schools with a manufacturing course. And who's gonna be featured in that? You guys, put your employees on camera, have them yeah. talk to those students. So it's this local industry funding, helping schools fund new age programs, putting whatever industry that is, put that technology in the course. So it's kind of this dream that we have of bringing industry and education and, and making it much stronger. Now, what does industry get out of that? Those companies will never have to look for employees. The employees will come knocking on their door. And I even think it's, a, it's actually an old school model, the apprenticeship model that used to be out there that somehow went away why can't you get reports from those teachers not grades not student data but reports say hey these five kids love doing this they would be great employees for you and the company can go tap them and say hey you want to come in for a, a mini uh, you know summer internship uh whether that's in manufacturing whether it's in, a, in an engineering role and see if you like it and then now you're just grooming future employees so i think um that's where we need to go as as education needs help doing it industry needs those well-trained employees um i know in connecticut they're screaming about high-skilled labor and well, what are you going to do about it let's do something right let's actually make that pipeline happen so we're trying to do that uh do our small part and then we want to mm -hmm. kind of ramp that up yeah no, i think i think there's a lot of uh, great points you just made about why that's so important and 
having someone like yourself is almost like that translator in between might be exactly what we need. So I appreciate you sharing that. So again, uh, Dave, so we will we will share in the show description, we'll share milestonec.com, which is your website for the business where people people awesome. can go check it out. <clears throat> Educators can go there, school districts can go there, check out the, the, the resources you have. I'll also put your LinkedIn uh, in the show description as well if anyone wants to get in touch with you and hear about your journey from being an engineer to now being a small business owner, talk more about STEM, right? Whatever that, whatever they think they want to get yeah, in touch with about, we'll, we'll make sure to put your LinkedIn profile on there as well. So I always close the podcast with the same question with every guest because I always look for my guests to give some piece of advice to my listeners that I think would help them. So I always ask, like, what has been the one thing, Dave, that's helped you reach your full potential? So that one thing that's helped you be successful, maybe in school, as an engineer, and now as an entrepreneur, like what, what would you share with my audience that's helped you, uh, that's helped you along the way? Yeah, so I have two answers. So one is uh, what I wish I did. So I wish I grabbed what I like and what I'm good at and put them together. So if I went, instead of working at Sikorsky and went to work at a mountain biking company, I think I would have, I would still be there, right? So, so what I like is mountain biking. I'm good at technical engineering if I put those together. So that's one thing I always talk about, especially those middle school students. So that's one answer. But to answer you more directly, for me, it was hard work, the ability to learn and teaching and helping everyone around me and in whatever role I'm in. Those three things, I don't think you can go wrong if you if you just you know put in the work, sponge up sponge up everything around you, and then help those around you so that when you need help, they'll jump in. Um, those are those are I think the three things that I would highlight for for everyone. Yeah, and I think I think those are I think those would honestly be applicable whether you're early career, mid career, or you know uh, further on in your career. I think I think most people could take advantage of that. So again, thank thank you so much, Dave, for making time. I know super busy with your family and running your own business but I love I love what you're doing for really students all across you know all across the country and, and just you know helping our educators who we know are in the, to your point in the past 18 months even more stressed um, make it a little bit easier for them to teach their students like something really cool really cutting edge super tech without having to do all the work themselves and build the whole curriculum so I just absolutely love that so thanks for joining me on the on the podcast and I wish you the best. Nick, thanks for what you do. Uh, thanks for having me on, right? I think um, getting these stories out there is going to help help folks everywhere. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Full Potential Podcast. If you'd like to hear more interviews, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. You can also connect with us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to check out our website, fullpotentialmovement.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing and be well.